Hello, and welcome to the Interesting World of Sports podcast on the Hopewell Valley Student Publications Network, where students come together to publish content to share with the world. The opinions expressed in this episode are ours. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to the Interesting World of Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Yasher. And I'm Connor Bacha. And today we'll be discussing the early life, playing career, downfall, and comeback of Mike Vick. First, let's talk about his early life. Vick was born in Newport News, Virginia, as the second of four children to Brenda Vick and Michael Body, then unmarried teenagers. His mother worked two jobs, obtained public financial assistance, and had help from her parents, while his father worked long hours in the shipyards as a sandblaster and spray painter. They were married when Vic was about five years old, but the children elected to continue to use their Vic surname. The family lived in the Ridley Circle Homes, a public housing project in a financially depressed and crime-ridden neighborhood located in the East End section of the Port City. One resident said that there was drug dealing, drive-by shootings, and other killings in the neighborhood all the time, and suggested that sports were a way out of and a dream for many. So he grew up in a really bad area in Virginia. I mean, it was basically the hood of Virginia. There was a lot of violence, and it was really tough for people to make it out because it was a low-income area. And in a 2001 interview, Vic told the Newport News Daily Press that when he was 10 or 11, he would go fishing even when the fish weren't biting just to get away from the violence and stress of daily life in the projects. So he would do anything to just get out of there. Uh, Vic was only three years old when his father started to teach him the fundamentals of football. And he first came to prominence while at Homer L. Ferguson High School in Newport. As a freshman, he impressed many with his athletic ability and threw for over 400 yards in one game that year, as a freshman. That's insane to think about. I mean, freshman year, we didn't even throw the ball at all, Connor. We were a run-heavy offense, so it's amazing that as a freshman, he was doing those things. On varsity, too. Yeah, I mean, that just shows that from a young age, he was a pretty promising athlete. And uh, for, unfortunately, Ferguson High School did close in 1996 as part of a Newport News Public Schools building modernization program. And due to this, Vic, who was a sophomore at the time, and his coach, Tommy Riemann, both moved to Warwick High School. And there, Vic was a three-year starter for the Raiders, and he was only there for three years, so he played as much as he possibly could. And under Riemann's coaching, he passed for 4,846 yards and 43 touchdowns. He added 1,048 yards and 18 scores on the ground. As a senior, he passed for 1,668 yards, accounting for 10 passing and just as many rushing touchdowns. So he was a, while he was an amazing quarterback throwing-wise, he also could run the ball. I mean, he was... I a, mean, teams just have to dedicate, it, like, whoever, a defensive lineman or a corner or something just to QB spy him and it. He was just such a dual-threat QB. Yeah, you really had to watch out for him on both sides, running and throwing. And during one game, he ran for six touchdowns and threw for three more. That's insane. That's nuts. Uh, and because of all this, Vic chose to attend Virginia Tech and his first collegiate game as a redshirt freshman against James Madison in 1999. Vic scored three rushing touchdowns in just over one quarter of play. So he, even though it was college and it was a little bit bigger, he was still just as dominant. And there, he was a freshman as well. Yes, and then he also made a spectacular flip to score his last touchdown, but unfortunately landed awkwardly on his ankle, forcing him to miss the remainder of the game and all of the following game. During the season, Vic led a last-minute game-winning drive against West Virginia, their rivals, in the annual Black Diamond Trophy game. He then led the Hokies to an 11-0 record and a bowl championship series national title game in the Nokia Sugar Bowl against Florida State. 
Although Virginia Tech, Vic's team, lost 46-29, to Vic brought the team back from a 21-point deficit to take a brief lead. And so during- that seems more like a defensive problem than a Vic problem because mm-hmm. wins are a team stat. And during the season, Vic appeared on the cover of ESPN Magazine and won an ESPY Award as the nation's top college player and the first-ever Archie Griffin Award as college football's most valuable player. He was invited to the 1999 Heisman Trophy presentation and finished third in the voting as a freshman, only behind Ron Dane and Joe Hamilton. So, I mean, he literally was already on the radar of a lot of people as a freshman. So, And Vic's third-place finish matched him the highest finish ever by a freshman up to that point, first set by Herschel Walker in 1980, who was a legendary running back for the Cowboys. Vic then left Virginia Tech after his redshirt sophomore season. Now, let's talk about his NFL career. At his pro day workout, Vic ran the 40-yard dash in 4.33 seconds. His time has been clocked as low as 4.25, which is the fastest ever for an NFL quarterback. Vic was selected first overall in the 2001 NFL Draft by the Atlanta Falcons, becoming the first ever African-American quarterback to be taken with the top pick. So he's the best player in college, according to the Falcons. And the San Diego Chargers had the number one selection, but traded it to the Falcons the day before the draft for the Falcons' first and third round picks that year in 2001. And Vic was actually taken in the 30th round of the 2000 Major League Baseball draft by the Colorado Rockies, despite not playing baseball since middle school. That's insane. That's like, he's done a lot of impressive things. nuts. I think that's the most impressive because he literally, I mean, could you imagine not having played something since you were in middle school? and then getting drafted professionally. Most baseball players work their entire lives to get drafted, and he didn't even try. They're lucky if they even play single-A baseball, and he's, he's had to get drafted to the MLB. Mm-hmm. He, was, he had a great arm, and a lot of people took note of that. His first contract was a six-year, $62 million contract with the Atlanta Falcons. Vic made his first start against the Dallas Cowboys on November 11th and threw his first-ever touchdown pass to tight end Crumpler in a 20-13 victory. That's a big boy. Mm-hmm. He accounted for 234 of Atlanta's 255 yards in the season finale against the St. Louis Rams on January 6, 2002. In two starts and eight total games played that season, Vic completed 50 of 113 passes for 785 yards with two touchdowns and three interceptions. He rushed 31 times for 289 yards, with an, so those 9.3 yards average, and one touchdown. In the 2002-2003 season, Vic made 15 starts missing one game against the New York Giants on October 13th with a sprained shoulder. That season, he completed 231 of his 421 passes for 2,936 yards and 16 touchdowns. He had 113 carries for 777 yards and 8 rushing touchdowns. So those passing stats aren't anything out of the ordinary. I mean, he's a young player still, and he's a dual threat, but... It's just the fact that he can do it on the ground, too. I mean, 777 yards is better than your average running back. Yeah, and Vic also set numerous single-game career highs during the season, including passes completed, passes attempt, and passing yards. So he was breaking a lot of records. Of his own, yeah. Vic also set a then-NFL record for most rushing yards by a quarterback in a single game with a whopping 173 yards against the Minnesota Vikings on December 1st. That was broken by Colin Kaepernick, who had 181 in 2013. He tied for third in team history with the best touchdown-to-interception ratio in a season and had a streak of 177 passes without an interception as the Falcons finished with a 9-6-1 record and reached the playoffs that year. 
On January 4th, they ended up having an upset victory over the Green Bay Packers 27-7 in the first round of the playoffs. However, in the second round, they lost 20-6 to the Donovan McNabb-led Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, that was in the NFC uh, divisional game. And Vic was named to his first ever Pro Bowl after that season, so he had a solid year. And Vic suffered a fractured right fibula during a preseason game before the 2003 season against the Baltimore Ravens and missed the first 11 games of the regular season, so he made his debut in Week 13. Now on to 2004 to 2005. Vic returned to form in 2004, passing for 2,313 yards with 14 touchdowns and two interceptions. Vic returned to form in 2004, passing for 2,313 yards 14 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. He added 902 yards of rushing and three touchdowns as the Falcons finished with an 11-5 record. On Halloween of 2004, in a game against the Denver Broncos, he became the first quarterback to throw for more than 250 yards and rush for over 100 yards in the same game, which is something that happens somewhat regularly in, in nowadays' game, but it was just a different game back then. And Vic set an NFL postseason record for a quarterback with 119 rushing yards in the first round of the 2004 NFL playoffs. Atlanta beat the then St. Louis Rams in that game, but lost the following week to the Philadelphia Eagles in the conference championship game. So something about those Eagles, they just can get around them. Mm-hmm. Vic, whose single-season rushing total was the third highest for a quarterback in NFL history, was named to a second Pro Bowl after the season. After leading Atlanta to their third division title, he signed a nine-year 130 million dollar extension on December 23rd and this was just kind of unheard of 130 million dollar extension I mean this guy was the face of the NFL he was on a box of cereals everywhere and kids were buying Vic jerseys left and right he was doing well for himself he was a role model for a lot of kids and a lot of people looked up to him because of how good he was 100 percent and Vic made his third Pro Bowl after the 2005 season during which he passed for 2,412 yards and 16 touchdowns while rushing for just below 600 on the ground and six more touchdowns. The Falcons, however, finished 500 with an 8-8 eight eight record and ended up missing the playoffs that year. Now on a 2006-2007. to 2007. In 2006, Vic became the first quarterback to ever rush for over 1,000 yards in a single season. He also set a record by rushing for 8.4 yards per carry. 1,000 yards is a milestone for a running back, and that man's a quarterback. He was running the ball a lot and doing well with it, too. Yeah. Vic and teammate running back Warwick Dunn became the first quarterback running back duo to each surpass 1,000 rushing yards in a single season. Despite Vic's record-setting season, the Falcons finished with a 7-9 record and again missed the playoffs. So not only was he a rushing threat, Warwick Dunn was nuts too. So they had to account for both of them. It's just so tough to do. I mean, with the read options, it's almost impossible to stop. Now on to segment three, all the legal stuff. A search warrant executed on April 25, 2007 as part of a drug investigation of Vic's cousin, David Bodie, led to discovery of evidence of unlawful dogfighting activities at a property owned by Vic in rural Surrey County in southeastern Virginia. Media attention quickly grew as state officials investigated the problem, soon joined by federal authorities. As separate state and federal investigations proceeded, more details emerged about an interstate dogfighting ring that involved drugs and gambling. Gruesome details of abuse, torture, and execution of underperforming dogs angered animal rights activists and expressions of public outrage. In July 2007, Vic and three other men were indicted on federal felony charges of operating an unlawful interstate dogfighting venture known as Bad News Kennels. Vic was accused of financing the operation, directly participating in dogfights and executions, and personally handling thousands of dollars in related gambling activities. 
so these guys were fighting dogs to the death and gambling on it. By August 20th, Vic and the other three co-defendants agreed to separate plea bargains for the federal charges. They were expected to receive federal prison sentences of between one and five years. Vic ended up spending 21 months in federal prison due to this. He was released by the Falcons shortly before leaving prison, and after serving his sentence, he would sign with the Philadelphia Eagles for the 2009 season. So he was trying to make a comeback to football, and this was all after, um, I mean, his wife wanted his wife told him uh, they should just like change their identity and leave the country. And he said, no, I have, to, I have to serve my time and try to make a comeback. So he was released by the Falcons shortly before leaving prison, as I mentioned. And after serving a sentence, he signed with the Philadelphia Eagles for the 2009 season. As a member of the Eagles for five years, he enjoyed his greatest statistical season in 2010, earning him comeback player of the year and a fourth Pro Bowl selection. So he was definitely not washed. And after all these great seasons, he actually became an animal activist, some might say, and lobbied for H.R. 2492, the Animal Fighting Spectator Prohibition Act, which would establish federal misdemeanor penalties for spectators of illegal animal fighting and make it a felony for adults to bring children to fights. So, Connor, just for the sake of argument, why do you think someone would not want this bill to be passed? So, I mean, you got to be a pretty bad person and not want this to be passed, but... I guess the only real reason would be that this this all all this fighting happened on their own private property and people were like making money off of this. This was their main source of income for many's. That's very true honestly and I'm sure especially because it was in he grew up in a low income area, he had a lot of low income friends. I'm sure a lot of them this was like a main way of money and it was entertainment for them. So it's unacceptable, but I understand like what they were doing. Like they were just trying to make a living. But it also is a terrible thing. I mean, dogs are like man's best friend. It's not, that's not a cool thing There's to no do. There's no excuse for what they did. I exactly. Mean. I mean, could you imagine if like we were forced to fight to the death? I mean, I think I would come away with the victory, but that would, it would just be so gruesome. And I don't think it would, I don't, I don't even know what to say, man. It would, it would be terrible. It's just unacceptable. It'd be a very close fight, but yeah, I, it'd be a terrible thing. And it's gruesome too. There's blood. And I just, I don't see how people could enjoy that, but obviously Mike Vick has changed as a person, and I think he's really turned his life around for the better. Once again, I'm Connor Bacha. And I'm Dylan Yasher. And we thank you for listening to this episode. Have a great rest of your day.